Hello, I'm Buddy Martin, and this is the Best Fridays in the Football Podcast with Urban Meyer and Terry Bradshaw. Hello, and welcome to the Best Fridays in Football featuring the Urban Meyer Podcast. Coming up later, we'll hear from Terry Bradshaw, the backup to Urban on Big Noon Kickoff, Cassidy Hill, John Finneran with Andy's Candies, and much to talk about in the world of football this week, despite the fact that it's a limited schedule due to COVID. Time now for the Urban Meyer podcast. And Coach Meyer, don't get Wally pipped by Terry Bradshaw. Yeah, Terry, how about that? Have a Hall of Famer come in and he's your backup. Uh, Super Bowl winner, great person, uh, but he did a great job. I got to watch it uh, from my couch in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and he did a great job. Later in the show, when we hear from Terry, he talks about getting a note from you. So I must say, uh, you know, obviously he he likes your praise, and I think he has new respect for that chair. So you're back this week, and uh, not as many games. Uh, but one of the things that I'd like to focus on today, if it's okay with you, but it's your podcast, is what happened in Jacksonville. Dan Mullen finally getting the monkey off his back, as we say. Huge win, and you said all along, Dan's got to beat Georgia. Dan's got to beat Georgia. And so Dan beat Georgia. Yeah, you're measured by uh, that game at the University of Florida. That was when I first walked through the doors in Gainesville, Florida, uh, in 2000, what was it, winter of 2004. It was made really clear. You have three rivals. You know, you have Tennessee because that's always the early in the season, and Tennessee and Florida became a, a rivalry, even though I don't know if it's still considered one. Uh, obviously, the Florida State, the school out west, we used to call them. But then Georgia, Georgia's always in the way. Georgia's the team that, you know, Spurrier's the one that started that whole because uh, when he was a player, they couldn't beat Georgia. And so he had that in his mindset when he came back as a coach of Florida. He was not going to lose to Georgia. That was the red-letter game. That was the game that uh, he focused on. And, boy, did he set the standard for all Gator coaches to follow. And that was, once again, you cannot lose to Georgia. You're right. And that 1966 <laughs> game was a nightmare for Steve. And they came in, they're undefeated, ranked fifth in the country. Really good team. And Georgia's defense brought it. And uh, Steve couldn't get off the ground. And it was bitter. You know how competitive he is anyway. It was a bitter pill for him. So when he came to Gainesville, he set out, it's okay, we're going to beat Georgia. And of course, he did 11 <laughs> out of 12 times. Talk to me about Dan's coaching job, about the performance of the Gators, what you saw, what you liked. And now what you see long-term, if there's a path for Florida to get to Atlanta and maybe to the Final Four. Oh, certainly. Anytime you got a quarterback like this, uh, Trask, um, and they got really good skill around him, and you know how I, I'm very biased because I was with Dan forever. We coached together. He's one of the finest quarterback coaches I've ever been around. A great play caller. And, you know, he exposed Georgia. Uh, and Kyle Trask had, in, and we made the comment, both of us, that Kyle Trask has to go from being a really good quarterback to a great quarterback, and he's done that. You know, I, I picked them early in the season to be a Final Four uh, candidate because I, I still believe they're, even after that lost A&M, I still believe at the end of the day that they can find a way to beat Alabama and Atlanta. Uh, they'll be in a Final Four, and I think they certainly can do that. they got to stay healthy. Obviously, this COVID 
issues. You know, they hope they don't, you know, get caught up again where they lose a game or two. But I, I think they're certainly trending in that direction. Well, you said on several occasions that I've asked you several weeks about how good is this guy, Kyle Trask. And you said, and, and rightly so, well, he's really good. He's not elite. And last week I said, <clears throat> if he in fact goes out and beats Georgia and throws for a couple of touchdown passes, uh, you'd have to put it on Urban Meyer's elite team. You said, absolutely. Well, he threw four, which is the fifth straight game. He's thrown four or more. So now give me your rating on Kyle Trask. Oh, he's a Heisman candidate. He's a, a elite quarterback. He's earned that right. And that was never being disrespectful. But to use the term elite uh, for a quarterback, at the end of the day, you're going to be known. What makes you a great quarterback is that you go win. And if that's harsh for a quarterback, that's harsh for a coach. But if they would have lost to Georgia, you couldn't put him in that situation. But he played outstanding. He has really come on this year. And I, I – I really enjoy watching him play because he's got such great composure. He's extremely accurate. You know, the back shoulder throw he threw to uh, Trayvon Grimes is a big, big time throw. And, and uh, he, he can make all the throws. Well, uh, in talking to your colleague, Terry Bradshaw, who's on here later, we talked about what he thought of Kyle Trask and he talked about his throwing motion, talked about uh, how much he liked the way he delivered a catchable ball. Uh, he was a lot more impressed with Trask than he thought he was going to be. So he made a point about the nose of the ball being up, which is so important. He said he's still learning how to throw a ball at his age right now, 72. And he says, if you throw a ball with the nose up, that it's more catchable. And he says, that's one thing Trask does. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I've never heard it exactly like that, but certainly Terry, uh, knows a heck of a lot more than most people about throwing a football, but I do know what a catchable ball looks like. I can see uh, Trask does throw a catchable ball. Uh, the thing about really good quarterbacks is they can know when to zip it and they know when to put a little air underneath it to make it a catchable ball. And that's exactly what I see with Kyle Trask. And you mentioned the Trayvon Grimes back shoulder throw. I thought the dime he dropped on Kyle Pitts uh, in the end zone was a beautiful throw. Of course, Pitts goes up so high and such a tall guy. Uh, that uh, that was beautiful. So he's got a lot of – in baseball, he has more than one pitch, shall we say. Yeah, it certainly does. And I, we're anxious to see how this thing continues because there's some tough ones coming down the road. But that was one they had to get. That was one that Kyle Trask had to play outstanding, and all the above boxes were checked. Coach me up on the swing pass, or we called it. Now it's called, obviously, the wheel route. I don't know much about football, but you do. And I, I, what I get from listening to Dan talk about this is that they ran this wheel route out of various sets. And as I understand it now, based on what the defense does, how they react, it's not as simple as a swing right, swing left. And I did not realize what pre-snap reads could reveal. Like, you know, you got man, if you put your back in motion and then the, the cornerback or the, or the defensive back goes with him, you know, you're in man, right? I'm just learning this. I don't remember seeing it that effective. I got to tell you, the last time I saw it that well run, although Alabama ran it against Georgia, uh, the air raid back in How Mommy's Day is Kentucky. They came in here and they ran a terrific wheel route in Florida. 
had a time with. Coach me up on the wheel route and what you think of it and why was Florida so successful? Well, the wheel route has always been a very effective uh, in our offenses over the years. It's something I I personally have loved because it's a way to create a matchup, especially if you have a Percy Harvin or if you have some type of really good athlete that you can bring out of the backfield. And you can see teams a lot of times, and I know Dan did this, they'll start with a tailback or one of the backs out in an empty formation. And the reason you're doing that is you're gathering information. So, for example, if, if you're emptied out, uh, tailbacks out like number one to the boundary on our left, say, and, and there's a corner out there covering the running back, you know, it's zone coverage because uh, it would be a, a linebacker if it was man coverage. And so you, you, a lot of times you'll, you'll start with formations and we call that gathering information for the quarterback. You're getting indicators. The quarterback looks out there. He says, okay, I know what I got. I got man coverage. I'm going to motion him back in. And then we can run a wheel route and try to get a pick on a linebacker or just a fact, just sheer uh, science that the linebacker is not as fast as the tailback and you have a matchup nightmare for that defense. So, so often in the wheel route game, uh, a lot of times you'll see people use motion or shifts before that, and they're just simply gathering information for the quarterback uh, so he can make a right decision with where to go with the ball. It seems like a lot of information to process when you're in the heat of battle up the line of scrimmage. And, and, and how important is that uh, for the for quarterback to process it? Something that Bradshaw brought up about how he was impressed with. Who were some of the really great ones at processing that information? And, and, and how well does Trask do that? Well, all I can tell you is what I saw from Trask. And he, he I, I think so much of that is coaching. You know, what goes on throughout the offseason uh, the teaching that goes on in that quarterback room in the position group. And I know they have Brian Johnson and Dan Mullen, two of the best. So I would have to say Kyle Trask has got to be one of the best as far as gathering up that information. And that's all part of the process of getting coached up by that, you know, by that position here. Here's the thing that I was surprised Georgia did not do. And that's change things up and try to confuse. Cause all that, the minute you can try to confuse or you do a good job confusing, this is what I think makes, uh, Brett Venables and Clemson so good is they're very confusing. You know, this doesn't, they don't not, they do not give you the same look very often. And that's very confusing for a quarterback. If they sit in the same defense, which it looked to me like Georgia was at some point, that quarterback's going to win because he's getting all the information he needs. Which brings up a really interesting subject <clears throat> in just what you said Todd Grantham, he gets a lot of criticism, especially giving up third downs earlier in the year. The fans don't quite understand. To me, he attacks a quarterback, and he creates confusion by his blitzes and the way he the way he handles it on man and disguising his own. I'm not an expert, but uh, I think you have a high regard for Todd Grantham. I do. Why do people don't understand, apparently, what's going on? He's a thinking man, defensive coordinator. Yes, sometimes he gets burned, and sometimes uh, third down is hard to stop. But I know a few other coaches, some in Alabama, too, who had that problem. Yeah, I think Grantham is a, a fine coach. I know Dan thinks the world of him. We've talked about that before. I remember coaching against him. Ironically, he was at Georgia uh, my last few years at Florida. Uh, very good coach, very intense coach. And, uh, yeah, I, you know, criticism comes with the game. If you give some third downs like they did early in the year and they were really struggling, 
you know, criticism is going to come, and that's the way it is. That's life in the big city. And there's one way to answer criticism, get better. And it seems to me that they're getting a lot better. We're going to talk about Ohio State in a second, but they're off this week, and so we'll focus on these other games at the moment, especially Florida. Kind of special because coming to town as a former Gator player, uh, you know, obviously Felipe Franks, uh, he had played to a mixed crowd here. Some loved him, some did not. That's the life of a quarterback. He comes in now unusually. He and Kyle Trask are very good friends, and they talk to each other. They text. Uh, how do you regard it among the players, his former teammates, as we talked to this week? They all really are Felipe fans, Felipe fans, except this week. So Felipe's got, obviously, a stronger arm, maybe. He's got good wheels. He's a big guy who can run. Uh, he's really made a difference for Arkansas. I'm not sure what, how they'll, what they'll do with him in terms of how they handle him, but it's now Kyle Trask, uh, obviously has on the other side, Felipe Franks could be interesting. What's your take on that matchup? Well, I think it's going to be a, a very intriguing one. Uh, I was always amazed at how athletic I didn't, when you look at Felipe Franks and once again, I was close to the situation because of Dan Mullen. And when he first got there, you saw this big athletic quarterback. And I mean, like legitimate fast quarterback has a giant arm. And, but it just seemed uh, in the biggest games at times, he wouldn't be able to get it done. And now you're seeing him at Arkansas, maybe for whatever reason, just maturity, uh, maybe the style of play, whatever it is, but he's having great success there. And, you know, obviously I know Ford is happy with the quarterback they got, but this will be, you know, I, I do know the fact that uh, the players at Florida and the coaches respect Felipe Franks. Very good friends with Megan, as uh, uh, well, and Dan's wife has communications with him. Uh, just to use the baseball analogy again, and we'll move on to other stuff, is that if you compared the two, it seems to me that basically Felipe is a guy who throws at 98, and, and maybe uh, and maybe Kyle Trask has got more pitches. I don't know. seems that way. I can. Uh, that's probably a pretty good indication, or a pretty good scouting report. He does throw a ninety-eight mile an hour fastball. Urban, your final four. We'll get to that, but before we do, just give me what you think is Florida's pass. They can lose a game and still get to Atlanta, as you know. Uh, they have Arkansas followed by Vanderbilt, Kentucky, at Tennessee, and then if they get the game in, it'll be LSU on the twelfth of December. Uh, do you see that as a path to the final four, or at least Atlanta? Yeah, I, I see the they they got the edge up on everyone now that they beat Georgia. So I see them going to Atlanta. If they beat Alabama, they'll be in the Final Four. If they lose, they won't be. I think it's cut and dry. You know, I think the fact that uh, uh, you know two losses will that'll be hard to get into the playoffs. And now we have Clemson with a loss. Who knew that Notre Dame was going to go in there and win that game, which is, oh, I say go in there or play them and win that game. Impressive job by the Fighting Irish. And I haven't lost. How good is this Notre Dame team? I think they're really good. I think their offensive line controlled the line of scrimmage against uh, uh, Clemson. They had a big-time two-minute drill to take them down the field and go score. So, um I think they have really good players. I've always felt Brian Kelly's a heck of a coach. And, you know, you take Trevor Lawrence. I know the young players are going to be good. But uh, you take Trevor Lawrence out of that game. And I, I had Notre Dame to win the game. Well, certainly an impressive coaching job. No question about that. Let's talk about the mentality, and you have a lot of experience in this, of a team coming off a big win. 
I believe Don Shula said this one time, the most dangerous time is after a big success. Mm-hmm. You got Florida's biggest win. Dan's biggest win, we said last week, would be beating Georgia. They got it. They were impressive. They won it big. Now you've got Notre Dame coming off a huge win against Clemson, playing a little gritty little Boston College team, and you know their coach pretty well. Uh, this is, is there a danger zone for either or both of those teams coming off a high and having to get back to business? Oh, sure. There, there's a, a big time danger zone. I was horrified after those big wins, especially in places like Gainesville and Columbus, Ohio, when you have a huge win and they're ready to print national championship tickets. You know, and that's not the case at all. I mean, so I would always try to make the Tuesday practice one of the hardest practices of the year after a big win. Our players would, you know, eventually caught on to that, knew that, you know, my intent was make them to focus on just survival practice, not worrying about all the press clippings and all the Terrell and Tony, how great you are. That game's gone. That game's in a rearview mirror. Let's learn from it. Let's enjoy it. But that's over. And uh, so, yeah, I've always been uh, horrified about, you know, after a big win. How would you expect Florida to come out against Arkansas and for the Holy War, as they call it, for Notre Dame to take on Boston College? Yeah, I think they're really good coaches. I think, you know, they've been around a long time. These aren't rookie coaches. They, you know, I'm sure they have their own mentality about how they're going to go about business. I would imagine Dan has taken a similar approach that we took, and that's make it a really difficult week of practice. All right, let's talk Heisman. It's way too early, I understand, because you still really get to the last game of the season or two, usually when you make it. I'm a Heisman voter, and I don't know. I can't tell you how I'm going to vote yet. I don't know. Certainly, Trask has to be in the conversation now. Uh, obviously, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence sitting out. How much that will hurt him with the – I don't know. Do you see this as a two, two-horse race, or do you see it as a three-horse race? Right now, as we sit here in the middle of November, how do you see – the Heisman Trophy race at this point? Yeah, I see three people ahead of the other ones, and that's Trask, that's uh, Justin Fields, and Trevor Lawrence. You know, Justin Fields will not play this week. Um, they have not played a difficult schedule at all. That You know, I think of the three teams they beat, there's only one win uh, that any of those three teams have had. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, he obviously missed two big games, and they lost one that he didn't play in. And then Kyle Trask, to me, might be – just on sheer production and sheer the fact he beat Georgia, came back. So I think it's a three-man race right now, but there's still a lot of football to be played. Yeah, there is, and we'll find out. What the, all right, let's talk about that dreaded COVID. Uh, it's something that obviously everybody's having to deal with. I have friends who have it, uh, and it's going to be uh, something that we see this weekend that's going to have a major impact on college football. I mean, my goodness, look what's they wiped out the SEC, except for Florida, Arkansas, Ole Miss, South Carolina, and Kentucky, Vandy, you know, and of course, Ohio State setting out this week. And we don't quite know how to deal with this because we never had before, but this is going to impact and has impacted college football. I'm not sure how they'll deal with it in terms of sorting out the best team, uh, awards, Heisman, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not sure what can be done other than wear a mask and stay home. Give me your thoughts about this. this is a different thing we've never had to deal with. Urban, how is COVID, aside from the health issues, going to impact college football the rest of the way? Well, I'm so glad we're playing. You know, I, I hear people make criticism of the SEC or criticism of the Big Ten. And, you know, once again, there, there's several ways you can uh, react to adversity. One is grab your bag and go home. And the health experts said that, you know, that we think it's in the best interest to keep, and I believe it's in the best interest. So do people around athletic programs. You're, you're keeping these athletes 
active, engaged, testing constantly, and not really out in community. And so there, there's, to me, that's the safest place an athlete can be, uh, a student athlete can be. If there's situations where COVID numbers increase, pop up, they delay a game or they postpone a game, so be it. But that doesn't mean to panic. That means to just keep moving forward, play when you can play. And if not, there's going to be adaptability. You know, I keep hearing about the college football playoff. They're going to, I think they're, we still don't know what they're going to do. But you know what? We don't have to make that decision right now. Just keep continuing to kind of move forward, keeping the health and safety of the uh, players and coaches uh, above all else. But let's not, you know, I, I just think this whole world is going to continue to move to open up. I'm not a fan of saying, hey, just shut everything down and don't, don't do it. You know, I, I don't think that's in the best interest of anyone. Well, scoring points now becomes important because it's a little bit of a beauty contest it could become at the end. And and I know that uh, Dan um, Mullen met Steve Spurrier on the way to work on Monday. And Spurrier was very happy because, A, they beat Georgia, and C, B, he, they scored 44 points. You know how much Steve likes scoring those points. So now how does that factor in for coaches? you got to run it up, Coach. Yeah, I was part of that in – several times during my career and it's it's something that is in the back of your mind and becomes a forefront of your mind it's not the most sportsman thing to do but you know the one famous one that we we beat wisconsin 59 to nothing that one year and we had to jump some teams to get into the college football playoff and we did it um so yeah there the fact is you know you don't say that to your team you don't really keep that amongst your staff that's something you as a head coach because you have an obligation to that university and more importantly to those players on your team to go as far as you can with this team. So yes, the way it looks and scoring points is a premium part of the game. All right. What's on the show this week? I know you're back with the guys. Uh, anything in particular you're going to show us? Yeah, we're going to talk about a two minute drill. You know, we're going to talk about the, uh, there's three styles of two minute drill. One's just the basic hurry up. And that means you're down a couple scores and you're just going without a huddle. Uh, the second one is actual two-minute drill, and that's where the object- objective is to get 10 yards every snap because the clock does stop. And then the final one we call the chunks, and that's where you're down to a panic situation where minimal time left, you got to drive the length of the field with you know no timeouts or one timeout, and you're forcing the ball down the field. So uh, Notre Dame, we're going to use the Notre Dame versus Clemson two-minute drive, which they operated perfectly. One day, Coach, I want you to teach me about the four-minute offense. So I've heard that term a lot lately, but we'll talk about that another time. It's time for Ask Urban, and I'm going to ask one first because I want to know what's going on with you, your family, uh, and, and, and Nate coaching at Cincinnati, a very good team down there. His role in that, or is he, is he play, coaching or playing? He's playing, isn't he? Yeah, he's on the football team. Yeah, but I think he's going to be a coach. That's my opinion. Anyway, Cincinnati, an impressive uh, season they got going. Um, and so so give me a little rundown on the Meyer family, what's going on there, any news on the restaurants, et cetera. Meyer family is great. The grandkids are great. My son-in-law is coaching the Heisman candidate at uh, Ohio State, Justin Fields. Gigi got married last February, and she uh, is her, owns her own business, G-Fit. A health uh, company, and then Nikki's a president of a company as well, and and uh, a wonderful mother to two. So my family's doing great. All right, you got the restaurant open and one coming in next year, right? 
Yeah, we got uh, one open and one coming in the spring. All right, so I talked to Terry Bradshaw. He's interested in having that bourbon with Urban <laughs> promotion in Columbus. We'll see how that yeah. goes. Okay, so ask Urban. All right, number one. This comes from Nicole in Boston. If Notre Dame wins out and loses to Clemson in the ACC championship game, should the Irish be in consideration for the playoffs? I think they should be in consideration. It's going to be tough. You know, uh, the fact they did beat them once, but you're, uh, you're only as good as your last loss. So that'll be, they will certainly be in consideration, but that, that'll be a tough goal to make it if you lose uh, in the championship game. Here's an unusual one for, from Rhonda in Denver. Brady Quinn is really handsome and has a classic face. I am a big fan, even though I am a 54-year-old grandmother. Will you ask him if he ever thought of a movie career? Uh, Brady is a good-looking guy. He's a great friend, an Ohio guy. Uh, I'll let that uh, – Brady probably has a lot of options, but I think he really loves what he's doing. He's very good at it, too. Okay, this one says, I know you and Terry Bradshaw are friends. I heard him say you sent him a text last week. What did you say, and did you see him play, and how good was he as a quarterback? I Just a lot of questions. Chad in the Villages. Well, I grew up a Cincinnati Bengals and Cleveland Browns fan, so I actually disliked Terry Bradshaw, and I, Terry knows that. Uh, that was back in the uh, – the Steelers Super Bowl years with Chuck Noll was a coach. They had so many great players, Lynn Swan, Dante Stalwart. So I knew those teams well, but I can't say I was a huge fan of the Steelers because I was a Browns and Bengals fan. And the text message, I'd love Terry. Terry's become a very good friend. Uh, we play golf together every year, and I see him because he's with Fox NFL and Fox College, and, and I just love Terry Bradshaw, who he is. He's become a really good mentor to me. Uh, Howie Lawn, Terry Bradshaw, Jimmy Johnson – there's a reason I think our college show has been so good because you learn from the very best, and that's the uh, NFL crew. Well, he tells us uh, in this segment coming up that he really liked doing that show. Uh, it was a lot of fun for him, So, uh, and I thought it was interesting, the energy you brought there. But they miss you, Urban, so get back there right away, will you please? Thanks, buddy. All right, Urban Meyer, Coach Urban Meyer. Coming up next, Terry Bradshaw tells us how he evaluates Kyle Trask. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. Go, buddy. It's time now for the Terry Bradshaw Show. Time now. 
and three and two and one. The guy can't take a cue. He's been on television for 50 years, and he can't get a cue right. Here we go. And three and two and time now for the Terry Bradshaw Show. Sometimes we talk football, and it's part of our family of the best Fridays in football. Terry Bradshaw now doing college sports on Big News Show on Fox. <laughs> TB, you were on the program that, last week. That, that's, the, that's the worst intro I've ever heard in my life. Well, let me hear you, you do, it be do it better. You got to sharp. Go, sharp. go. Let me hear you do now, it. Now, now it's time for the one and only, the icon, the superstar, four-time Super Bowl champion, two-time MVP. Everybody's all American. The world loves this guy. Let's bring him on right now. Let's, the further ado, you know. Here's <laughs> Captain Humility. Harry. <laughs> and you know, buddy, you know, buddy, just being silly and saying stuff like that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, you never are silly. That's what I like about you. You're silly. Uh, no, all no, the time. I'm never silly. No, of course I'm never not. silly. silly. You scared, hey, so, you scared uh, your me, boss. Let me to have death. a rating. So how, so how was my college brought, my, my first college broadcast last week? By the way, Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer sent me a text. He liked it. So, no hey, kidding. he liked it. Well, that's pretty oh, good. Oh, yeah. 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 I yeah, that's so. good stuff. Well, you yeah. had some good stuff. Yeah. You did it well. And uh, I think, listen, there may be a future there for you in college. You know, you, you're a Gator fan. You, 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 you have a few hey. other teams you follow, including uh, Louisiana Tech and sometimes LSU, mm -hmm. but not right now. You love mm, college football. Boy, that's but, ugly. Mm. Oh, I know. Hey, how about that Florida victory last week? Well, let's huh? talk about it because you predicted What did my boy Trask throw? What did he do, five touchdowns or four? Uh, he threw four. Five? Four? I think. Hey, impressive. How about yeah. that Georgia whooping? Uh, that was up. something else. You called that shot. Mm, took him to the woodshed and banked him now. You know, Terry, what's great about that game was the resiliency they had because they got behind mm -hmm. early. As you know, fourteen yeah. nothing, um, and uh, you know, then they got, then it was they threw a pick six. He threw a pick six, and it right. was once in fourteen all to twenty one fourteen. But he didn't didn't fold his tent, man. Pretty resilient. No, he kept, yeah, kept his kept his calm. He's a big sucker. I didn't realize Trask was that big. I watched him. I watched him closely, just kind of get an idea um, of when. He goes into the NFL. Just exactly what am I looking at? So I, I'm not paid that close attention to him, uh, other than you and I talking about him. But I did watch him carefully um, against Georgia. Oh, the gorgeous ball, man! I think the tight spiral is a really, really nice ball, and uh, Moose. You know, for a big guy, how big is he, buddy? Is he six four, six five? He's uh, six five. He was up to yeah. about two thirty five. He's down a little bit to about two, two twenty five, yeah. two twenty eight. Uh, by the way, he oh, threw he's for four hundred and seventy four yards, a career high, and four touchdowns. And, uh, and against the number one defense in the Southeast Conference. Yeah, how about that? Hey Terry. Well, how do you how do you hey, defend the, how do you def defend the wheel route? Apparently, you, apparently they don't know it, Georgia. <laughs> Well, you take a spoke out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wheel routes are nothing but out, go down, go out, then go up. That's, they call that a wheel route. Yeah. I don't, you know, 
I don't understand a lot of the terminology. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do understand it. I don't know where it came from or how they came. Wheel out and up, out mm-hmm. and up. What? What's what's the wheel route? I'm not up on all these. Uh, oh, you were dumb. Why is it called? Why is it called a a, a, a trap? Why is it called a yeah a power play? Why I get the I. Why is it you know half? Why is it, just a lot of terminology in football that I'm not real sure where the history came from. Wheel route out and up. Hmm. Out and up. We I'm called that, something. Terry, we called it a swing pass when I was in high school. Did you call it swing pass or you call it, what'd you call it? At a swing pass would yeah. be a, what we would call in the NFL a wide flare, where he would go from his position as a back and bow out as he goes sideways. He would bow, he would go, he'd go behind where he started and bow out, then turn back in. Mm. So we'd call that a wide flare. Or you could say a, swing pass mm-hmm. but a swing pass would be more of a out and up would i mean a down and back down and back i mean swing wide flare i mean who knows i called um the uh, slide the slide you hear people say on tele on, on television yeah uh where they're gonna have slide they're gonna slide their blocking to this guy in other words the angle of the of uh, the guard tackle uh, center, they're sliding to the right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the slide protection in the 70s was to the side that you wanted to get the back out and take the back out of the blocking, blocking, and the and therefore he would be involved in the passing route. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily to to the p- person you feared the most, you know. Yeah. So it's a different. It's got different meanings, different ways, and, you know, but yeah, out and up, wheel route, I, you know, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. Well, anyway, you know? it worked, and Georgia couldn't figure it out, and people said, what's Florida's uh, running game like? I was on the show in Fayetteville. They said, well, yeah. Florida can't run the ball, and I said, well, wait a minute. If you're running, if you're running back catching 100 yards and passes on a wheel route, who cares? You know? Well, that's if you're if you're not if you're if you're running if the backs are actively involved in the passing game and you're too stupid on defense to adjust to it, mm. then they'll keep on doing it. Dan Mullen will just keep throwing it yeah. to the backs. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're going to take the backs out, then you when you move that back out, then you've got those linebackers, you know, or you try to blitz. Mm-hmm. Now you go back to your running game. You spread them out. You run. If they don't, then you pass. And if they don't cover the pass, you keep them, keep throwing, throwing the football. There's yeah. nothing. There's nothing wrong about not running the football. If you're not running the football and you're throwing it, it's because you can. I mean, it's just yeah. that simple. Yeah, exactly. That's what Mullen does. In in you, yeah. uh, uh, I wanted to ask you about touch because one of the things about this guy Trask is he throws yeah. an extremely catchable ball. Some people right, might look does. at him and say, you know what? He didn't have arm strength. He will surprise you on arm strength. He didn't have the arm right. that Felipe Franks has, by the way, who right. plays against the Gators on Saturday, playing for Arkansas. Right. Uh, he's got a right. gun, but he's not accurate. What Trask seems to have right. is a touch and accuracy, which is that enough to give okay. him to be a first round right. draft choice? Some people say, yeah, it might be. You've seen him. All right, you I'm ask you, let me ask you this. Who, do you like uh, Drew Brees' arm? Of course. 
okay, there's the compliment. There's the comparison right there. His arm, his arm is pretty much like Drew Brees' arm. Drew Brees has a good enough arm, and you can always put a little something on it. Yeah. But the good quarterbacks throw catchable balls. They read the coverage, and their timing is impeccable. And that's what Brady does. Brady has a good arm because he's a shoulder thrower. I mean, he's that. That I would encourage everybody out there that's listening, and you got a son that wants to be a quarterback or struggling. I would contact Brady's quarterback guru because I love the way he coaches passing the football. It's just amazing. I even do that when I'm warming up outside. You don't see me on television. I'm throwing the football, and I'm actually throwing it like Tom does. I'm going, hey, this is pretty cool. <laughs> so, yeah, it's um, and and the ball is always in a throwing position, and all you're doing is getting your feet and your shoulders lined up, and uh, boom, 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 boom. But Trask is Trask is smart, and he's got plenty of arm strength, plenty of arm strength. I like it. I like his arm strength. I have no problem. And the other thing is, for all our listeners out there, when they throw, when you see a quarterback release a football and it comes out of his hand, you'll notice a lot of times that the nose, the front of the football is tilted down. Okay? Mm -hmm. The ball will even out the further it goes as the spin catches up those are hard balls to catch but a lot of quarterbacks and i would say predominantly most of them um palm the football so when you palm it height you've got to release you've got to have your palm sticking up in the air to release it to keep the nose up but most of them don't the nose of the ball is down when they release it so therefore the nose goes stays down uh those are hard to catch yeah um watch drew breeze high 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 ball releasers throw with the ball level or nose up. Um, I threw the ball with the nose up, not threw it hard, um, but I kept it on my fingertips. I didn't palm the football at all. And uh, only time I palmed the football was when the ball was wet. Mm. And then I would go from, from a wrist player to a shoulder thrower, so I would lose the football. But you watch those guys. I watched Trask the other day. As best I could see, and his ball, his nose is up, and those are easy balls to catch. Uh, those are the best balls. I want a quarterback that throws with the ball, with the nose parallel to the floor or with the nose up. And he, from what I could tell now, his nose is up. You're right. It, so You're right. There you are. Yeah. And I've had that'll be yeah. that'll be that'll be fifty dollars, please. <laughs> Well, I was going to pay you a hundred, but I, I got a bargain here. So, oh, that's a, okay. Uh, and and by the way, uh, uh, if just for doing this interview, I'd like you to give me a discount on my next bottle of uh, Bradshaw bourbon. So, just in case. So, hey Terry, you, know you mentioned two quarterbacks. I want to get to. Uh, I, I want to get to in just a second. Uh, well, obviously, it didn't work okay. out good for one. Tom Brady and Drew Brees. Let's put that on hold for a second. Wow. Oh. Hey, was that a butt whooping? Oh, my gosh. I want to get to that. But I want to get back to a point you made. Trash throws an easy ball to catch. Well, he must. His girlfriend, who you maimed on TV, and I asked Kyle about it the other day in the press conference, and Jade Carraway, uh, she must be able to catch it pretty well because he said to me on Monday, 
She, also, she has the best girl's arm he'd ever seen. She throws the ball pretty well, apparently. She, of course, is a soft star softball <laughs> player, player for the Gators. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, man, I tell you oh, what, man. if they have children, there'll be some scholarships there. I'm telling you what, those two. So yeah. it's good to see the story yeah. of of Kyle. I'm glad that you like his style. It's going to be fun to see. They yeah. got it the set tight up. End okay? Yeah. I'm no, he's the, not. The tight Pitt, Pitts is an amazing story? guy. How'd you like that dime he dropped on Pitts uh, for the yeah. touchdown? A beautiful pass. Yeah. And how beautiful t- throw. How he gets up at si- almost six seven could leap. Unfortunately, that was yeah. a vicious hit, Terry. That was a vicious hit. Yeah. And he's not playing against Arkansas. Uh, but yeah, I'm hoping he he'll get back. So because well, the Gators the have a pathway here to the SEC so championship buddy, game. Buddy, what's wrong with him? We don't know. They don't tell us, but apparently, I don't think it's concussion, but uh, he got hit in the ribs pretty oh. bad, so I don't know. They don't tell us the details. They just tell us okay. uh, we don't get to hear that information <laughs> anymore. But anyway, okay. all the best all right. to him, the young man. He's got a great future ahead. And uh, oh. let's talk about my word, what happened. Tom Brady's pouting, apparently. Bruce Arians uh, said <laughs> some critical things that he didn't like hearing, according to what I read. I don't know that. I will not read. And Terry, how could you go out and lay an egg like the Buccaneers did against against oh. Drew Brees and, and the Saints? Well, they laid an egg the opening part of the season against them. They Tampa has a hard time with New Orleans uh, because New Orleans, for some reason, just gets fired up for Brady, and they come after him and they put pressure on him. Lattimore played a great game the other night. Uh, they've got some really good players. Uh, I don't know exactly other than what I saw on television. He had no time. They just got in his face. But the the one interception that Tom threw when he threw across the field, I said, man, that's not Brady. That's not Brady at all. What in the world was that? So, yeah, he was – they got him frustrated. Hey, listen. If, I don't care if you're the GOAT. Uh, you get hit enough and frustrated enough, you start doing some things you normally don't yeah. do. He did He did that the other night. Now, I don't know what, you know, his relationship with Bruce Arians, I don't know. I don't know what they, I don't know what's in the paper. Um, I haven't. Uh, it was very small item on, online. Of course, you know, everything on the internet is true. As you know, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll see. But uh, you know, he's not used to getting pushed around like that, and it's a rough one. So no. Well, anyway, we well, might talk some football today. We might not. That was a good clinic you gave us on passing the ball. By the way, one note: I've caught some balls right. from you in your backyard back today when yeah. you were getting the Hall yeah. of Fame. I didn't ever know you held the ball with a finger, index finger on the tip. And I, as a high school player, I tried to grip it, you know. But, boy, my hands burn after yeah. catching a few balls there from you. That's for sure. And I tell you what, now, that's not the way to grip a football. But uh, that finger being the last finger on the ball for me mm-hmm. was up, which really put a lot of steam behind it. Well, a lot uh, of people that are doing it now, it seems like. Yeah. It's not the uh, correct way to throw. If I went back to the NFL today, I would put my finger down and throw it totally different, totally different. And, not not uh, on the tip? No, I would not put it on the tip. No, not at all. Absolutely move not. Move it to the right and just mm-hmm. sort of get close, uh, control the spin. I'd just move my hand. I'd move my index finger down 
and okay. release the ball between the index finger and the thumb. Okay. And that you, that you right there. Okay. And, and you'll find out you throw, you have better control over the football and you don't throw. I'd have the ball get away from me a lot of times. But when you do, when you pull the index finger down, the ball doesn't get away from me. You have better control of it. I just never could adjust to it. Well, number, the other thing is I just never worked on it. I didn't start throwing a football until, what, end of June. I wouldn't pick a football up for five months, hmm. six months. Um, and then when I'd go to training camp and everything, I'd always get a blister on my index finger because it's the last piece of uh, my hand. It's the last part of my hand that touched the football. I'd always get a blister. I'd have to get it tough. So, yeah, we didn't do things right back. Well, hey, <laughs> I, I think you did okay. We, didn't, we, had, we, we got a job and we worked and we didn't lift weights. Uh, it's just a lot of things we didn't do. Not saying they were right, they but yeah, well, listen, I, I think it worked out pretty well for you. So, oh, yeah, I'm not complaining. Uh, no incidentally, complaints Terry, here. speaking of working yeah. out, what is up with yeah. your Steelers? Eight and oh, wow, buddy, you act like you're surprised. I am surprised, you are too. Yeah, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not surprised. I don't think about it, but when I think about it, I'm going, all right, they're a good football team. They had a they had a, a close call against Tennessee on the road. They came back and beat Baltimore on the road. Tennessee actually got them ready for Baltimore. And they won that game. And then um, they went down to Dallas. And you would think, well, they'll beat them by 40 points. And they were behind. And Ben had to lead him from behind. I remember a game like that in the 70s. Uh, I don't even think our – what do you call your podcast, folks? Are they well? Here's the deal. Listeners? This is this is what this. Are they yeah, these are these are yeah. listeners. They're listeners, yeah. and and just so you know, it's you have the Terry Bradshaw show as part of right. uh, the best Fridays in football. Urban Meyer podcast right. is part of that. You guys right. carry the balls on this, and these are our podcast uh, listeners that we're just picking up uh, on now. We're starting to get a billing audience, and they love you. They love Urban. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. So we have some news to announce okay. on it soon. All right. Okay. Listeners, okay? Anyway, anyway, um, we were undefeated and just pounding people. The Chicago Bears hadn't won a game, and they came to Pittsburgh Three River Stadium. We beat them three to nothing. <laughs> that was a wild scoring fest. <laughs> we beat them three to nothing. They had a little old short stubby-legged running back out of Penn State. I can't remember his name. He he ran, he ran, I don't know how many yards. So, hey, buddy. Yes. Sammy just, op- just showed me this. Get a $2 check from Terry Bradshaw when you buy Rayovac batteries. <laughs> hey, let me ask you about no, that because I got a text wait, wait, from – Let me give you yeah. – it, it's 1980. Oh, 1980. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Even well, the back autographs then. the same, babe. Wow. What does this well, guy cool. want? Here. Nothing. Nothing. Dear Terry, my wife thinks you are one sexy dude. <laughs> no, you're making that up. You're making
It was wrapped around an old picture frame for protection. Oh, my, that was used to wrap around her, her picture frame. I'll be dang. Wow. How That's about something. That? That's amazing. Yeah I, yeah, I had a text from somebody yesterday who found your your insect repellent here in the local Walmart. <laughs> and uh, so yeah. you're big. You're in Ocala and Marion yeah. County and Gainesville. Hey, so. I know that's um, Four Rings Protection. Uh, we're headquartered in Sarasota. And uh, it's been a tough year for us. Uh, we can't get out. We can't, can't. Is it can't or can't? Jimmy says can't. Well, Jimmy's can't. from Texas. He's from Corpus Jimmy, Christi. I know. We we can't. We can't. <laughs> we can't get out and uh, meet up with um, distributors because of the COVID nineteen. So it's been a hard year for our new product. Same way with bourbon. Bourbon Bradshaw Bourbon is finally going throughout the state of Florida, but it took forever, and uh, we can't get out. We can't, we can't, we can't. Just, just say we don't get out. <laughs> just say we, we don't. don't. <laughs> we ain't nowhere near ready to go meet up with folks. <laughs> ain't got none. <clears throat> uh, we just ain't got none. That's right. So, But we will. Yeah. Uh, as soon as we get the vaccine and we're released, we'll start traveling around the country and dropping in people. And when we are in the Ocala area, and I will be there. Well, you, oh, yeah. Come out and say hello. We'll be, I know you'll come out. <laughs> and, well, uh, you bet you, Red Rider. So it'll be, but we got that going. I met the other day with uh, a company getting ready to start our clothing line, which is going to be for just going to be amazing. So much fat boys fun. britches. Well, that's no. the way I wanted to come with it, but no. that that sends that sends a. Uh, uh, but that might be something we use. Okay, but uh, they are thinking we got it right now. Uh, it looks like we're going to go with BBB, which is branded by Bradshaw. Okay. And uh, it'll be a brand pulling off the, the what do you call that thing? The, the, um, the what do you call it? Which one? The, the logo will be a triple oh, B pulling off. Okay. Yeah, branded right. by Bradshaw. Yeah, it's going to be cool. All, all of our listeners out there, it's a really cool. Yeah, it's, it's super soft pants with elastic in them. They're oh, really, nice. I mean, it's all about a little more room in the legs, a little wider at the bottom. You can wear them to work. You can wear them, you can wear them to church meetings. Nice. The shirts are so cool. I mean, real excited. So we've had a, two days of meetings with that. We'll have that out and going by the fall of next year. Cool. And, uh, and then I'll announce my retirement from Fox because <laughs> no, I'll won't. be so busy, so yeah. busy. I hired my son-in-law yeah. to run Hawaii and the West Coast for us on Bradshaw Bourbon. Wow. He got us in. He's got us in Hawaii. Amazing. That's good. He's amazing. a, he's a top fun. chef, too. He's a great chef, as we yeah, know. Yeah, he's an amazing uh, chef. Yeah. yeah. Well, he just signed a contract with this one family mm-hmm. oh my god i can't tell you what kind of money they're paying them to cook for them for get this 90 days wow Is it 90 days 60 days 60 days oh well, that's great he I- made any money he lost a half a million dollars this year half a million he made no money wow his wife our daughter is the one that's Kind of kept up going with the she's better, smart. Uh, with uh, she's smart the Bradshaw bunch. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm watching it. I'm so watching the Bradshaw bunch. I'm liking it. And we, uh, I think we're through. Are we through with the Bradshaw bunch? I think it's it, one one more not, at least, right? 
there one more? I think air? so. Oh, they've all aired. Uh, They've all aired? Okay, I think yeah. I've seen seven. I haven't seen the last one. But I wanted to get back yeah. to the Bradshaw bourbon for a second. Is it appropriate if we can yes, sort of sir. make the announcement right now that what okay. we're going to do on the podcast, the Terry Bradshaw all right. show, sometimes we talk football podcasts we're going to go with, and uh, we're going to go <laughs> with, uh, we're going to let you say something every week that, that we're right. going to ref- refer to. And if you know right. what that was you said, they could be able to contact us and say, I heard Terry say, whatever the term might be, fat boy bitches, or you're the first one in, you get the bottle of Bradshaw bourbon personally delivered right. to you. And maybe we get it signed, maybe we won't. But bottom line is, folks listening to this podcast are going to be able to benefit. And I'm telling you, I know right. I know what it tastes like. And I'm not a drinker, but I love that. I call it sipping whiskey. You could. You don't have to do anything to pour it in, in, in the glass. Oh, buddy, oh, buddy, buddy, good. buddy, buddy, our preacher. Oh, my preacher won't even talk to me. Well, he I won't even talk to me. So I, so I gave, I gave the, uh, what little money I've made so far this year. Yeah, it was a church. Gave it to another church. <laughs> another yeah, church. I gave it to feed the, feed, yeah, feed the children. Well, you know, there you 80, go. Eight, like, like eighty thousand bucks. Wow. The church could have had. Wow. Yeah, I gave it to the. Feed kids. You know, uh, how, how about the how about the wayward home food for, for families? How about this, yeah. Terry? The wayward home yeah. for broken down sports riders. You can give them a little bit too. All right, <laughs> so we know what that is. That's wonderful. I, I'm well, glad. I, you know what? Hey, listen. Hey, listen. Being Baptist, Baptist, they just love to just eat their own, don't they? Just it's tough. Up, and I grew out. up in a family of Baptists. I love them to death. They're oh, great spiritual God. people, but they have a, a few yeah. things that. Uh, you know, they don't like doing, like dancing and drinking. You know how that goes. Yeah, well, and they all dance and they all drink. That's yeah. what, the, you know, I'm a Baptist, and they yeah. all dance and they all drink. Yeah. Stop the hypocrisy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Even at Christmas. I think that. And we're not, hey, listen, You, if you're fat and you eat all day long, that's a sin. That's glutton. Oh, now you're getting you know, personal. You a, you're getting personal now. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it just, <laughs> think about it. I mean, study the scriptures and you'll find out. There's, there's no doubt we that, all have our demons. A lot of things. Yes, exactly. we all have our demons. For sure, that's and, yeah, and it's whiskey. Not like I'm out here, and am I promoting bourbon? Absolutely. Yeah. And why am I? Because per- I like bourbon, and if God didn't want me to promote bourbon, then He'd just bust all the bottles or something. Well, you could do Can drugs. Just do drugs. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> well, we could do marijuana. That would be better. Yeah. Cannabis is good for you. We could just apparently. start smoking. Yeah, got one right up the street here, yeah. one mile away. Well, it's a different world. Anyway, if you're going to have some yeah. beverage, this is really good stuff, and I kid you not. And yeah. a, a lucky listener to the podcast, whoever pays attention, they're going to start giving clues next week. We'll figure out a way. Here's the clue. You have to know this to be able to email me, and then I will take the rec- first one in, gets a bottle of Bradshaw bourbon. This stuff ain't exactly like go. early times. It ain't like a you know eight dollars a bottle. It's good stuff. I would say, right? Uh, right, it is. Uh, Terry, now is. Um, uh, one one more thing back to the broadcast. You did that yes, college show last week. It was very good. It looks like right. things are going well on Fox. Uh, right. I, I'm gonna send a message to Howie to stop talking right. over you and distracting you. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I want to call him out this week. It's annoying. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna ask him. Can you not be funny once this year? 
Captain Funny, that's him. So you know, know who's funny is Jimmy. Jimmy's funny even on TV. Jimmy yeah. Johnson. Uh, Jimmy, Jimmy and I, we're both I we're both the like uh, we don't take this thing quite as serious as a lot of folks. Yes. Well, what do you take seriously? All right. Well, set uh, us up, TV. Tell us what the rest. We know Florida. Up. Florida's got to run. Got a game here this weekend. They ought to win against Arkansas. They got a clear sailing yeah. from here. Maybe uh, we'll see what's going to happen. Anything? Any pathway you see for any team? Besides the Steelers and the Saints, two of your teams uh, getting down to the Super Bowl, uh, who do you like? Oh man, who do I like? Saints to go all the way. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I picked the Saints to go to the Super Bowl, and I picked Kansas City to be there again. All right, well, that's a good pick. And the Saints, the, the Saints started strong, mm-hmm. struggled, and then went back. And now they're back good. Yeah. Kansas City's good, struggled back. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you one I, final I'm, question. I, I'll just stay with what I picked. That's, yeah. It's looking uh, as good I, as any. Yeah, right? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what about Roethlisberger? He's now placed in, uh, on reserve for the COVID 19 list. Uh, he had a contact. Buddy. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. Yes. I, where do you? Yeah, here it is. Roethlisberger placed oh on God. the reserve COVID-19 list Tuesday. Optimistic right. they'll get their quarterback available for Sunday's game. So that'll be fun to watch with the rookie for 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 the uh, Joe Burrow playing for the Bengals. Right. And then Roethlisberger. Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, they better wrap him in bubble wrap. <laughs> well, I'm sure it's going to be. It's a, I wouldn't want to go against that Steeler defense. They're really, really rugged. They're but, playing uh, really good, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm a. It's kind of obvious that I'm a Steeler fan. So sure, you should. Be, I don't though. care. Proud of yeah, I, I'm. I, you know what? I, everywhere I go, I'm always running. Hey, how about my Cowboys? Hey, how about my Bears? Hey, how about my Chargers? Man, how about this? How about that? I'm like, you know what? How about my Steelers? <clears throat> You know, they kick your ass all day long. Just shut up and get out of my face. <laughs> you know, Terry, when we used to work together, we walked down the streets of New York City. Uh, we oh, would walk, and people say, yo, Terry, how about them Giants? You know, yeah. You know, constantly yeah. ask Yo, Tyree. Oh, it's not Terry. It's my name is Tyree. Tyree. Yo, Tyree. How about them Giants? My name is not. Kyrie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. Oh, and and then, know. of course, everybody thinks. Now, <laughs> the funny thing is living in Dallas, the blowback you got over the years. I remember oh, one boy. day in your truck, we drove the garbage out yeah. to the garbage dump, and the guy looked at you and didn't want to let you in. <laughs> he was a I Cowboys know. fan, right? I know. I know. I know. That's terrible. Terrible. That's all right. Made a lot of money off those cowboys. I'll say you Thank did. You. I'll say you did. That's the only thing you can say, buddy. When they just throw it in your face and you've had enough, I take the high road on everything. But every now and then, you finally just go, I've had enough of this junk. And you flash your yeah. four rings. No secret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, Terry, it's been a good day, good show. Appreciate it very much. Looking forward to Thank the you. Terry Bradshaw Podcasts are Terry Bradshaw show. Sometimes we talk football. Sometimes we yes. don't. And that's okay too, Terry. Yep. We'll all uh, be on there. We'll be passing out a little bourbon. Please please uh pay up, pay attention, and uh me and Urban we're straightening it all out. We got all the answers. 
You do. And by yeah. the way, I'm looking forward yeah. to that promotion in Columbus. Yeah. Bourbon with Urban and his new restaurants up there. Bourbon with, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope he doesn't do that until we get uh, past this pandemic. Well, yes, that's for sure. And you stay well, my Bourbon friend. Bourbon with Urban. I like that. I yeah. will. Love oh, you. it's going to be great. He's Take care. waiting for his See bottle. You. Love you, See Terry. You. Thank you, buddy. Love you. The Bye. great Terry Bradshaw. It's time now to survey the national landscape. First, we hear from executive producer Andy Billman on Andy's Candies. Then we take a look at what's left of the SEC schedule that's just been reduced by four games. And the Florida Gators versus Arkansas against their old quarterback teammate, Felipe Franks. That'll be Cassidy Hill. It's time now. I don't know why we even say this, but I'm going to say it. It's time now for Andy's Candies. Hopefully something sweet. Cheer, cheer for old Notre Dame. We're back in the national championship conversation again. Did you hear the good news, everybody? Spread the good news. Put on your Montana jersey. Who's your favorite Heisman winner? The Irish are back. What a big win. Mighty Clemson, not mighty no more. What a big win, buddy. Okay, no more win. singing. No more singing. This is not American Idol. Oh, I have to remind you of that. Echoes. Where's yeah. Rockney? Give me Lou Holtz. Well, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you as close to Rockney as you're gonna get with John Finner in just a minute. Okay. Ooh, uh, the well, a- AP who that- uh, you know covers the South. Went to Notre Dame. Golden Golden Dover. He went to Notre Dame and covered it for South Bend Tribune for I don't know 20 years or so. And uh, he's back up there covering the AP and with his take on a couple. I think you can find you guys agree on at least one thing. <laughs> but before we go there, uh, really good to hear from Urban and Terry today. Uh, don't spoil it, okay? We've got a consistent <laughs> thing going here. So see if you can get the level up just a little oh. bit. And here's the thing. i got to give you your kudos. I think Thanks. you were 3-1 and one last week. I, I was. I was, and if it wasn't for, um, I I I might have I might have gone against my Irish. I might have might have done. Mm-hmm. But who, who's counting? But well, we are you gonna bet with your heart? You gonna bet with your wallet? You gotta make up your mind, right? That's 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 true, and yeah. I'm proud to say this week's Andy. You know, we don't have any sponsors yet, but we got a sponsor. The, this week is sponsored by the letter H. The letter H is gonna play a theme this week in picks. We all remember Sesame Street. Everybody had a favorite letter of the day. The letter H is popular. And let's start off with your Gators. They play against the Hogs. Arkansas, 17 and a half they are getting. I don't think the Hogs are going to win. But you and I have talked about this on and off a lot. I do like Arkansas. I think, again, they're not going to win. But I think 17 and a half is a lot of points. This is your classic trap game. So for the letter H, take the Hogs. Hmm. Take the Hogs in the swamp. Or T for like trap. I'm not saying because I'm making my pick later in the program on my two-minute warning, but <clears throat> we'll see. I've been told by some smart people who know the Gators that I'm crazy that they're going to blow them out. And I think Cassidy Hill is one, and the former quarterback Shane Matthews both say, eh, ain't happening, man. They're too good. So we'll see. I'll give you my pick in a minute. But uh, listen, you should have the letter W for uh, Whitman samplers, the candy, right? <laughs> <clears throat> well, that well, that is true. Whitman samplers is a wonderful, wonderful candy, by the way. Uh, but H, you know, H is a fun letter. I thought, you know, we got another H team coming up here. Miami versus Virginia Tech. You don't spell but Miami you, with an H, just so you didn't. No, in case you didn't. no. Usually they go by the letter U, but U was unavailable, too expensive. So we went with H. H I'm not unavailable. 
Uh, H, H is much oh, more. Oh, I see. You was unavailable. Much, much, much more. Look, the Canes, I've actually picked them a couple times in my, my store, and they brought nothing but cavities. I am taking the Hokies in H. I think right. the U has been on a razor's edge all year of losing one of these ACC games. They should have lost NC State. They should have lost to Pitt. They're finally going to lose. In Blacksburg, I know Virginia Tech came off of a bizarre loss to Liberty, but I think they bounced back. They're only giving up two and a half. It's at home. That's basically in Vegas telling you it's a pick because they usually give three points to the home team. Take the Hokies giving up two and a half, the letter H, Hokies. All right, you're going to save the, uh, the Notre Dame pick until after John Fenner, I presume, but you're going to do IU and Michigan State? Is that what yes. I'm saying? Yes, and I hope my dad's not listening. My dad is a huge Boilermaker fan, mm-hmm. and I was taught to never, ever, ever cheer for the Hoosiers. However, I have been impressed with IU, and not only did they beat Michigan, which I believe this store had as the home dog, but they really, I thought, controlled that game throughout, and their quarterback play is wonderful. Michigan State got the doors blown off them against Iowa. I think the Michigan game was a fluke. I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Hoosiers are very good in football. And I like their quarterback a lot. I think it tees up nicely for the Buckeyes the following week if everybody can stay safe with no COVID. If they do, the Buckeyes and Hoosiers, not in basketball but in football, will have a huge game All right. week. Enough Big Ten. You're choking me on big, too much Big Ten. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> oh, come I have on. To, I have to, have to move on to the game between and the Holy War. But first, before we go there, let's, uh, let's, let's weigh in. Let's go out to our hotline in South Bend, Indiana, and talk to our friend, John Finneran, who's going to weigh in on something that you wanted to talk about, a certain player. Uh, Kyron Williams, a sophomore running back, uh, has added speed, uh, has given Notre Dame the speed it needs in the backfield, uh, and uh, has really uh, stood out uh, this season with four 100-yard rushing games. Well, I'm glad you asked that uh, or mentioned that because our executive producer, uh, Andy Billman, who planned to be on today and couldn't on the podcast, Best Fridays in Football, with Urban Meyer and Terry Bradshaw, said, be sure and ask John about Kyron Williamson, what kind of a player. I think he was a key guy last week. So you just answered the question. Obviously, uh, he is a very key guy. One final note I found interesting. Uh, Boston College, uh, they got a unique situation. They played the number one and two teams in the country a period of like three weeks. And uh, what's going on with this? This, uh, uh, this coach they got there, which is, uh, I think Urban knows pretty well. Yeah, he's a former co- – Halfley, I think is his name, and mm-hmm. he, he's the former defensive um, coordinator at Ohio State. Right. Uh, and ironically, uh, Clark Lee, who is the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, also was in the mix uh, before uh, BC chose um, – uh, the coach to replace Steve Adazio, who of course was on urban staff at, uh, uh, at Florida. And so, um, um, he's good. Uh, they, you know, they, I, I, I don't know. They, they barely got by Syracuse last week. That might be the uh, result of coming down from the Clemson game and looking ahead to Notre Dame. But Jerkovic is, a, uh, is a big quarterback. Uh, the kid who came out of Notre Dame, uh, he's a big kid, about six foot five, very mobile for his size, uh, and has an excellent arm. 
Okay, the Holy War. John Fenner talking about the quarterback playing for Boston College, formerly of Notre Dame. Uh, and uh, Boston College uh, gave Clemson all they wanted. So uh, this game, you know, this I think this is I think I think the Boston College has played the one and two teams in the country in three weeks. So what you got for me on that, Andy? Well, I agree with Finner, and um, you and I talked offline. I love the game Williams played. He really played above his head, and that was the difference. He outplayed ETN in that game. I mean, that's just a simple difference. That and the uh, two stops Notre Dame had on defense after a turnover against Book and the, and the on downs in the fourth quarter. This is a tough game. Boston College, as we all know, for people who want to go back, Andy's Candies does do an historical section. They might have tripped up the Irish after a big Florida State win. So BC has a history of this stuff. This is a nerve-wracking game. I'm taking the Irish because I love the Irish. If you're in Vegas, I would just pass on this game. I think this is an impossible spot. It's 13 and a half you're giving up. I would not do it. But because Andy's Candies is on belief in Believe Land, and by the way, the Browns are going to beat Oh, my game. word. I know you get it in there someplace. The Irish. For, for the Golics, especially, you know, Bob Golick was a legendary Brown. So this is for Bob Golick, and it's for all the other Irish who came through. Uh, hold on a second. Joni, can you bring me some aspirin for a headache? My head is killing me on this stuff. Man, oh, man. <laughs> it must be time for us to go to the next segment. But Andy's Candies is over. You got lucky last week. Let's see what you do this time around. Unfortunately, I went the opposite of you last week, and it cost me. I went one and three. But congratulations. You're gaining on it. And next week, we'll see if you can actually get up there to the 500 mark. Andy Billman the executive producer, and the author of Andy's Candies. Thanks, Andy. Roll Irish. Go Browns. All right. Now, the SEC has obviously been hit hard by COVID, and uh, if you've been keeping up, you know they've lost four games this week, and the landscape is somewhat different of what we thought earlier in the year. Florida and Arkansas are really center stage this week because of that. And we caught up with our chief correspondent, for Gatorbait Magazine, and we're going to hear from Cassidy Hill about what's going on with Florida and the SEC. Here's Cassidy Hill of Gatorbait around the SEC, what's happening with the games, and some of them are disappearing, Cassidy. Yeah, every time I blink, another game has been postponed. So I think, so there are there were seven games scheduled for this weekend. That means uh, every SEC team was going to be playing. Four of those games have now been postponed. Missouri, Georgia, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Auburn, and Alabama, LSU. They've all been postponed because of COVID issues. There has not necessarily been an outbreak at a lot of these schools. LSU classified theirs as an outbreak, which makes me think that they have had you know, double-digit positive test. But from what we're hearing out of Texas A&M and Missouri, it, it's only been, you know, less than five positive tests. What has hurt them has been the contact tracing, which is something a lot of the coaches have talked about and said the contact tracing is uh, really what's going to make it tough to play because it can take out an entire position group, which is exactly what it did at Missouri. It took out an entire position group just having to put those guys in quarantine. And you can't test out of contact tracing, um, which is why, you know, if they get put in, they're in there for 14 days regardless. In the NFL, you can test out of contact tracing. 
I think if college football wants to finish this season and crown a legitimate champion, they're going to have to change the rules somewhat. Um, you know, they've already eased up on some of the myocarpathy stuff just because of additional research and medical uh, intel that's, that has shown them, um, you know, it's not as big of a worry as that thought it would be during the summer. Maybe that changes how they do contact tracing as well. It's going to have to be if we're going to finish this season. So those four games are postponed. That means we still have Arkansas-Florida, although Arkansas head coach Sam Pittman will be in Arkansas still. He will not travel with the team because he is in quarantine after a positive COVID test. And then Vanderbilt-Kentucky, which should be a turnover fest. Kentucky, I think, will pick off Vanderbilt five, six times. And then South Carolina-Ole Miss, which might be another boat race, um, meaning Ole Miss is going to boat race South Carolina. So yeah. those are the only three games we have this weekend. And uh, that means I think a lot of eyes are going to be on Arkansas, Florida. So, you know, as much as I hate it, just for the league and for the sport that all these other games were canceled, all of those eyes that would have been on Alabama, LSU, or Maryland, Ohio State, which is now post, which is now canceled um, because of COVID, they're now going to be on Arkansas, Florida. And... Uh, that's a chance for Florida to really kind of even show. I know that they had the Georgia game last weekend, which was huge, but they're going to get even more eyes. That means more Heisman voters are going to be watching Kyle Trask. Um, They could put the punctuation mark on the Georgia win with a big game this weekend against Arkansas. And that's going to have to, um, they're going to have to have wins like that to get into the four team playoff because once Notre Dame beat Clemson, Florida's path to the playoff got tougher. Yeah, good you point. You really actually wanted Clemson to win that game if you were a Florida fan. Yeah, and because, you mentioned, by the way, shouldn't to interrupt you, but the boat race, I think Will Muschamp is about to be a, a yacht captain. He's getting boat raced yeah. a lot these days. Uh, yeah. and, and what I want to talk to you about, if I can, is you know really well, you know, Felipe Franks, and you had a, mm-hmm. a special relationship with his family. Uh, this is a huge moment. Who would have thought he'd come back here? And here he comes to the swamp, a chance to be a spoiler. You know he's going to be competitive. All the players talk about him, and they all love him. They really seem to. All the comments we heard, mm-hmm. Cassidy, all week long from coaches, players. Brett Hay was his roommate. Talked about him. They still have conversations. Very unusual situation. But as Dan Mullen says, he wants to beat our butt. So size up. You know him pretty well. What you think about the mentality of Felipe, how he will perform, and how the Gators will respond, and whether or not he can get that deep ball on his own teammates. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, as Mullen said, he wants to come in here and beat my butt and beat everybody's butt. And that's true. And that's probably one of the things that Mullen loves the most about Felipe. And Felipe, and this is going to be the story in Gator Bait Magazine tomorrow. Felipe really helped Mullen and this staff establish that culture of competitiveness and relentlessness. And so much of what Mullen came in wanting to build, he was able to do because Felipe Franks called in and said, I will help you turn this team around. And um, so in a way, Felipe's coming back to, to face the culture that he built. And, he was very well loved by every guy. You never heard a guy in the locker room really talk bad about him. And um, he's still one of their favorites. They love Kyle. Clearly, Kyle is our leader. Um, 
and I, I think a big reason they love Kyle is because Felipe loved Kyle and, and still does. And, uh, you know, they were really good friends. And I've said this before. I think one of the main reasons Felipe felt comfortable leaving is because he knew that he could turn this over to Kyle and trust it in his hands. And uh, he, he was, like I said, he was the heartbeat of that locker room. And, um, so I don't, so he wants to win Saturday. He's too competitive not to, and he's gotten even better. He's taken all of the talent we always knew he had and combined it with some, um, maturation and it's really showing out well in the field but uh i don't think saturday will be contentious at all i think they're gonna have fun it's gonna be like playing your brother in a way yeah i think so and just two thoughts real quick before we close and by the way thanks for bringing up gator bait because you folks out there listening if you're interested in knowing more about the gators well you get to hear and watch and see and read the chief correspondent cassidy hill along with the veteran fans, Beard, Ainsley Lee, and some old guy named Buddy, who they let write every now and then. So if you want to know more, go to GatorBaitMedia.com and do what everybody else is doing right now, signing up to find out more about the Gators. Two thoughts about Felipe. One is I go back to his, when he first got here, and Matt Colling was the coach, and he was in the scrimmage game in the Orange Bowl game. He threw, I think, three straight picks. And I remember McElwain calling him off to the side, and had a long talking to him. And I think it went a long way with a young kid. He wanted to go out and do everything, doing too much. And we saw them run guys in here from Notre Dame and grad transfer. And Felipe took on all comers. And he wound up being the starting quarterback. And would he not gotten hurt? We might not know about Kyle Trask. But when he did, he was such a class guy. Kept it, he kept showing up at the games. You never heard him complain. He wasn't even mentioning the transfer portal. He and Kyle Trask were great friends, as evidenced by that night in Lexington. When Felipe went down with a horrible leg injury, one of the guys right on the field and holding his hand was there was Kyle Trask. And you could see the pain on Kyle Trask's face. Okay, that's the story of the Florida Gators. Thanks to the Gator Bait chief correspondent, Cassidy Hill, who gives us a look around the SEC every week. Be sure and share the news about Best Fridays in Football with all your friends. We're expecting another breakout weekend for this program, and tell your friends about it. Thanks so much to the people making this podcast possible. Gator Bait Lighthouse Builders, Truth, Honor, and Dignity, Dr. Jim Duke, Sissy Long, Lauren Meadows, Jeffrey Meldon of Meldon Law, Max Steen, former Gator captain, and Jeff Ulmer of the Ocala Quarterback Club. Ocala Quarterback Club sponsored the Scott Bradley Trophy, Mike McGinnis, captain. Also, Renstar Medical Research. Time now to wrap it up with Buddy's two-minute warning. I have to give it up for Felipe Franks, who returns to the swamp to face his old Gator teammates. As you know, an injury knocked him out of the lineup last year, and he lost his job to his good friend, Kyle Trask. Right now, maybe the hottest quarterback in the country. There are good feelings between Felipe and his old coaches and teammates, and he has helped the Razorbacks return to respectability with a 3-3 three and three record. His old teammates and coaches want Franks to do well, but not all that well on Saturday. They are 17.5-point underdogs to Dan Mullen's team. I'm not a better, but I think Felipe is a tough competitor, 
That sounds like too many points to me. Good luck, Felipe, but as they say around here, just not too good a luck. We hope you're enjoying the best Fridays in football podcast with Urban Meyer and Terry Bradshaw. On behalf of director Brendan Martin and executive producer Andy Billman and Cassidy Hill, thanks to John Finneran for joining us. I'm Buddy Martin, and you've been listening to one of the best Fridays in football. Bruce Martin, host of Pit Pass Indy. Each week, I go behind the scenes of the NTT IndyCar Series and introduce our listeners to the biggest stars of IndyCar, which features the Indianapolis 500 as its cornerstone event. The men and women that compete in IndyCar may be the bravest athletes in all of sport as danger lurks around every corner. They are able to look danger in the eye without flinching. That is why the NTT IndyCar Series features the best racing on the planet. Join me every week as we talk to the stars of IndyCar, including the legends of the Indianapolis 500 on Pit Pass Indy from Evergreen Podcast. 